Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. I feel like I, I have an announcement, but I don't know what that announcement is right now. But uh, there's just something in me. I'm like, I'm sure that there's something I'm supposed to tell you guys. Um, oh, here, this is not what I was supposed to tell you, but just so you know, we do do the cold weather shelter. We, we serve there two nights a week, or two nights a month, but in March, um, there's an extra Thursday. So we could use some more volunteers if you have some hours you're willing to give up in the middle of the night to help out at the cold weather shelter. And we need to know this in advance because there is a background check required. Um, it's very easy. You. You just, it's more for like fire safety to make sure that there's somebody awake in case of fire. Um, so that, there's that. Also, baptisms. The baptisms were awesome. We had an elder get baptized. We had a mother get baptized. We had her son get baptized. Um, it was really sweet. We're still, there's more to come. So if you're interested in getting baptized, let us know. Um, this is actually not our tank. I had to borrow it because ours is buried under this much snow um, over there. So we borrowed somebody else's tank. But they said that we can keep it for as long as we need it. So if you are interested in baptism, please talk to Pastor Christy or myself. Also, I was just kind of thinking um, during the prayers, we have some tremendous, wonderful, um, powerful, spirit-filled uh, women that are leading our prayers for the people. But I was like, I don't know if we've had the guy up here praying for our church for a while. So, um, and there's nothing wrong. So you know, we endorse women in leadership and at all levels, but diversity is nice. Men, if there's a man who is willing to pray sometimes, maybe talk to me. Uh, we can get you in the rotation. Um, okay, sorry, those are all my little plugs and advertisements for, for things. Let's get started. Um, back when Jesus walked the land around Galilee, uh, he had two disciples that were his brothers, James and John. And now these brothers, they're, they're, they're part of Jesus's inner circle, right? Um, so them and Peter, they were kind of like the three disciples that were the closest. And these two brothers, uh, they were kind of outspoken and brash, uh, actually a lot like Peter, because they're all fishermen. Um, and but they were so bad that uh, Jesus called them the sons of thunder, okay? Um, now, being outspoken and the brash, and they did have kind of a close relationship with Jesus, um, they kind of got a little presumptuous. And they said, they once they asked Jesus, hey, um, can we sit on your left and right side uh, when you receive your glory? Which basically meant that they wanted to be like his advisors, his closest people when he became king. And they probably still thought of Jesus as like the military messiah that would overthrow the Romans and reestablish the kingdom of Israel as a sovereign nation. Now, when word got out about their questions, all the other disciples grew angry and they started to argue because James and John had just asked to be made the most powerful men in Jesus's upcoming kingdom. And they wanted to be above all the other disciples. 
Now, I'm not sure if the disciples were arguing because each one of them wanted to be raised up, or if they were arguing because they didn't want the other people to be raised up over them. But it became divisive. And they argued so much that Jesus had called them together, and he said this to them. And this is Mark 10, uh, 42 to 45. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, the disciples, uh, they didn't understand the nature of the kingdom that Jesus was ushering in. And they were stuck in thinking of, of how power works in, in this world, right? But Jesus was ushering in a new world, right? A new kingdom with new values and a new way of living. Now, uh, we're, we're in the middle of a series on First Peter. And as I said before, Peter, along with uh, the two sons of thunder, were Jesus' closest disciples. And uh, Peter probably remembered this time when he was fighting along with everyone else for a place at uh, Jesus' table. But he learned, all the disciples learned, that Jesus' ways were not the ways of this world. And in this kingdom, the kingdom that he is building, the last would be first and the first would be last. Sorry, there, my little, like, there's like a little shield over the microphone and it's missing and so I can keep on hearing it like when I'm breathing wrong and it makes me feel like Darth Vader so um, it's kind of distracting me um, now as part of this series uh, we're reading a doxology uh, from 1st Peter 1 uh, 3 through 5 together and is written for people to recite or to sing and it covers the main ideas from the letter so if you're able to uh, please stand and we're gonna read 1st Peter 1 3 to 5 aloud together Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You may be seated. Um, you know, we're like reciting this every week. If you have it memorized, if you memorize it, I have a prize. <laughs> Just so you know, um, only for adults, not for kids, because kids' memories are like sponges. They remember everything. So, but you guys have to work at it. Um, so if you memorize it, I have a special prize for you. It's in my office right now, and I can give it to you any day so just let me know let's pray holy father we thank you for your word we thank you for its truth lord we we ask that as we encounter your words our hearts are open and that we can hear what you're saying throughout all the generations that we can be transformed and that we can know you better and we can serve you better and we can love you better in Christ's name amen <clears throat> now uh, today in 
First Peter, we're going to be looking at something called the household codes. And these are instructions on how a household should be run. Um, and this is somewhat a common feature in uh, ancient uh, Greco-Roman text. And it makes sense because if you're going to give instructions on how you should live your life, um, you, it's usually in the context of a family, like, right? It's like your, your family's part of your life, a big part of your life. Your household's a big part of your life. It wouldn't make sense to ignore the household because those are the people that see you as you really are. Not the images that you project, but they see you day in and day out in your life. And in his letter, Peter um, is trying to teach Christians how to follow Christ in an unchristian world. And he was sharing what he had learned about following Jesus. And he shows us how living in the king, out the kingdom of God and its last shall be first values could look in the world. Right? That's what he's offering here. He's offering us a vision of how those values look in the world. So we're going to go over a lot today. Just warning you. Um, so let's just start. Um, we're going to start at 1 Peter uh, 2.11, and I'm going to pause it for 17. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wear, wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So, um, Peter, he starts out reminding us, reminding the faithful that they no longer belong to the kingdoms of this world. They're now foreigners and exiles in the world. They don't belong to it. Now, that doesn't mean that they can do whatever they want. Uh, not when you're... So, when you're not at home, when you go out in public, right, especially if you're a foreigner or exile, often you try to put on your best behavior, especially when people are suspicious of you. Um, this, uh, I think it was this week even, or last week, but I, I listened to a comedian, and I can't remember his name. I think it was Sheng Wang, but um, he was a Chinese-American, and he was talking about a time at the airport, and um, he, he was opening a can of tuna fish, and he had the salad, and he thought, like, I'm going to put this tuna fish on my salad and get some protein. Um, but th and so he did it, and he, he started eating it, but then, you know, he kind of started thinking, like, well, I wonder if people think that I just put cat food in my salad. <laughs> and, um, and, and so he just started fixating on that, like, because the cans kind of look the same. And he's like, oh, like they, they, what are people thinking I'm putting cat food in my salad? And, and he was afraid that would perpetuate stereotypes that Asians eat weird things. And so he got really self-conscious, right? Um, because anything that seems out of the ordinary to the majority culture, when done by a minority, has the possibility to either create or feed stereotypes. Um, and, and so he actually ended up throwing away a salad because he was like so afraid like to eat it publicly um, that, you know, it was like, oh, that smells bad. Look at that cat food, you know? He was just afraid of that. And so when you're not a part of the mainstream culture, there's an awareness of how you're perceived, right? If you're not part of the powerful. Um, that's why in the 1960s, during the civil rights struggles, the men and women that participated in sit-ins and other forms of protest would always make sure that they were dressed up 
that they were dressed really nice. They would then make sure they looked neat and clean so that people couldn't say that black folks were dirty and that segregation was unsanitary. They would make sure that they weren't breaking any laws except for the ones that were based on segregationist principles, right, to advocate their cause. So that people wouldn't say that they're lawless or breaking down the social order. They wanted to be above reproach in every way so that no one could slander them, okay? That was important to them. And looking back at that example, um, um, many of those people who were Christians, we can see how we're to behave in society. We're to be good citizens, right? We're to be helpful. We're to be kind. We're to be respectful to authorities so that our lives will bear witness to the goodness of God. And that's what the household codes that Peter is going to offer is based upon. Now, um, Peter, he did something different to his version of these household codes, because usually uh, the codes are addressed to the men, right? Because men uh, rule the households, and so they're addressed to the men on how to structure their household and how to, you know, take care of business. Um, so the, the, ho- the codes are more about how to use authority. And if, there, if there's, you know, anything left over, there might be a little bit something about women and wives, maybe children, but really uh, they were addressed to men. But Peter, he starts his household codes with a group that's never addressed, with a group that actually is probably illiterate. Um, many, well, many of whom might be illiterate. They wouldn't be able to, 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 keep, to know what the code said. But he gave them the bulk of the instructions. He wrote to the household slaves. Those were the people he addressed first. He put the people at the bottom of the social hierarchy. Those that were considered last and least, he put them first. Okay. So, moving on. This is First Peter 2, 18-25. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer doing good and you endure it, this is commendable to God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Um, in, in this passage, Peter did something that's, that, that's really, like if you think about it, it's like unimaginable. He compared slaves to Jesus. Okay, he, he, he equated slaves to Jesus. The king of kings to the lowest in society. And, and just to be clear, um, if you read that again, Peter does not make any endorsement of slavery. Okay, he never said slavery was good, but he was writing to a people in their own context. Okay, he wrote to people in the social situation that they were living in. Okay, he, he was not giving instructions on how to live in the abstract. Okay, he was saying, hey, this is, this is the situation you're in. This is how you should be in that situation in your reality, with what you deal with every day. 
follow the example of Jesus. Jesus who was innocent of any sin. He was good, he was righteous, and he took the unjust insults and punishments because he was living for something higher. Right? He took on the sins of the world so that we were no longer under the curse of death and could find new life. Peter was calling for slaves to live into something better. Not, not for their s- status as slaves, but as a people that, was commi- that are committed to love, even to love those, even that, those that are unjustly harsh. And once again, Peter's not endorsing anything. He's not endorsing slavery. But he said, in whatever your circumstances, in whatever your circumstances, live a life that's commendable to God. Live to honor God. Then Peter moves on. Next, he addresses wives. And once again, this is something that's astounding and unprecedented, right? Once again, this is another example of the last shall be first. This is 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husband, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a beautiful, or sorry, unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Right away. Do you see what Peter did? He started his instruction with wives, telling them to submit in the same way. In the same way as he told the slaves to submit. Okay? Um, And and the slaves, he compared to Jesus. Uh, So it's going, slaves be like Jesus, wives be like slaves. And slaves are a bit closer to Jesus, but women be like slaves that you too can be like Jesus. The principle's the same. And once again, Peter does not say that women should be subservient to men. He's not advocating patriarchy. But it was a patriarchal society. And he addressed women in the culture they were in. And look at what he's telling them to do. And uh, Some people will um, use these verses to try to extrapolate a dress code for women. But I don't believe that's what Peter's doing. He's saying, women, you have more advantages than slaves. Right? He's, Peter's telling the women, wives, don't use your privilege to try to earn status. Right? Don't invest your money in things that increase your value, right? that increase your beauty. That's playing by the world's rules. It's, not, it's saying you're only as good as you look, or more accurately, you're only as good as you look to men. Peter's telling wives, don't settle for being a trophy wife. Don't settle for that. You have a calling. Live into it. Don't be afraid of losing your status. Learn from the slaves what it means to be like Jesus. Learn from the slaves. He holds them up as the model. And now, uh, finally at last, after he addresses those other two groups, then he addresses the men. And it's only one verse. The verses get shorter and shorter. Uh, Remember, in most other household codes, the men are told how to make their women and children and slaves to act. But here, Peter tells the slaves how to act, and he tells the, the women to learn from the slaves, and now he tells the men to learn from the women. First uh, Peter 3, 7. Husbands, 
in the same way. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Okay, once again, this is not an endorsement of a male dominionship, um, but Peter wrote to real people that are in a specific culture in a specific time, and he's telling them how to live in that culture as a faithful Christian. And Peter's using the same phrase he uses earlier, in the same way. Just like he said with the wives, in the same way, in the same way, Peter instructed the women to be as considerate as he just told the wives to be. Right? Now, the comment about being the weaker partner, that's an acknowledgement of the social structure of their society. It's not a description of women physically, emotionally, psychologically, or spiritually. It's a comment about how the society lived. All right, they're the weaker partner. They don't have the same rights. Husbands, in the same way, be like your wives. He told men to treat women with respect because they didn't have to respect their women in society. Peter told them that women are heirs just like men in God's gift of life. Men, women, slaves, they're all equal. Do you see that? Men, be like women. Women, be like slaves. Slaves, be like Jesus. No matter who you are, Jesus is the example. No matter where you're coming from in the social hierarchy, Jesus is the example. Live like Jesus. And this is a statement that no matter what your social status or gender, we all have the same call. And I, I want to point out that Peter adds to his instructions uh, given to hu husbands, so nothing will hinder your prayers. So what does that mean? It means don't let your privilege get in the way of your relationship with God. Don't let your privilege get in the way. Okay, just because you're a man, don't be afraid to serve. Don't be afraid to humble yourself. Don't be afraid to take a lowly position. Men are used to being on top of being the most respected, the most valued. Don't let yourselves live in that reality. Don't let any privilege or honors get in the way of living like Jesus, of being like Jesus. Humble yourself. The first will be last. The first will be last. Now, Peter's writing to people, you know, almost 2,000 years ago. Today's society is different. Um, but the principle is the same for all of us, no matter where we find each other, right? Whether you have lots or whether you have little, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're Alaska Native or white or black or Asian or American Indian or Latino or a bit of this and a dash of that like me, okay? Be like Jesus. Submit to one another in reverent love of God. That is our calling. Whatever level of privilege or advantage you have, and there are inequities and privilege and advantages amongst different people in different places, right? Be careful that your privilege does not become a stumbling block to your spiritual health. Be careful that it doesn't get in the way of your prayers because the last will be first and the first will be last. The way of the cross is always about self-sacrifice. It's always about self-sacrifice. It's always about letting go of the values and status of this world and embracing the kingdom of God. Remember what he said in the beginning. We're called to be foreigners and exiles, using our freedom in Christ to embrace the values of Jesus' kingdom while still living in this one. This world, no matter uh, whether it was in Jesus' time or today, it's all about advancing our own self-interest. Right? Um, and, uh, and it's you, your self-interest as a person, or your, your self-interest as a member of your family, or your self-interest as a nation, or your self-interest as an ethnic group, or your self-interest as a gender, whatever. But that's not the way of Jesus. 
The way for Jesus is to serve one another, to advocate for one another, to support one another, to love the other, to give away any advantage that we might have in order to advance the cause of those who do not have the same privileges, to put into practice the cross and its last will be first kingdom values. Right? We pray that every Sunday on earth as it is in heaven. So what does that mean? What does that mean in your context? In your real life, the real life context, if, if Peter was writing to you, what would he say? What are you saying about how, you, how your, your house is run, right? What privileges or advantages do you have that might get in the way? Are you using them to honor the least of these? Right? What, what about your last paycheck? Get specific. How does that reflect Jesus' values? And I'm not talking about giving money to the church. I mean, but yeah, you should tithe and all that stuff. But how are you investing in God's kingdom? Not, not just in the church, but in all the other ways, in all the other areas. How are you investing in the people of God? How are you investing in the service of God? How are you investing in the, the work of God? Right? Because people were not called to the cross in abstract. It's not an abstract calling. We're called in our daily life to live like Jesus. And praise be to God, it's not too late to change because Jesus, Jesus doesn't offer guilt. Right? Guilt says that you failed and you'll never live up to what God called you to. Jesus offers us repentance. And repentance says, I know I have failed. I have fallen short. God, turn my life around so I can do better and be better. And trusting that God will help. Right? That's what God offers. That's a lot. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, teach us. Teach us to repent. Teach us to turn our ways around. Teach us to turn our lives around. Teach us how to love you, not in the abstract, but in our real lives. Um, with our time, with our real time, with our, our, our real pocketbooks, with our real, real efforts. And teach us how to make your kingdom real. Teach us how to live out your values how to deny ourselves, how to serve one another, how to advocate for one another, how to speak up for one another. Teach us, O Lord, and humble us. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, worship team.